Welcome back to the Hex Drinkers House of Dang Commons, man, your one-stop shop for all things competitive and at the common rarity. Chev, you bleepity bleep, don't you mess up my intro. <laughs> don't you do it. We just got off a long recording and I don't need your bull. How you doing there, Chev? I'm, uh, well, like you said, we spent the last hour and a half talking about cards that weren't even magic, so... Very excited to to get back to our roots here. We took a week off to rest and recuperate after the uh, the, the lengthy Olympic Games of the Hex Drinkers. Of course, we missed a full set release in that time, which... Wait, we didn't. We were okay. We didn't miss any spoilers when we took a week off. That's incredible. Luckily, we have more speakers. Spoilers coming for next week, but for now, I'm doing pretty good. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. Yeah, you're right. We're, it turns out we're actually pretty good at this thing. So, no, we, we did cover... <laughs> All our bases for sure. People can hear about our hands-on experience with the format uh, and over on the Hex Triggers podcast where we completely swept the pre-release. But yeah, no, we did our we did our review and all that good stuff. Uh, and we're back. We've got some more. I don't know why I say this. We always have cool things to talk about. That's the whole freaking point of the show, dang it. <laughs> Ugh. All right, well, first up, let's talk about some PDC. PDC. You know it, you love it. You come here every week to hear about my league. Julian, how's your league? Uh, our league ended. Our league ended just in the past few days. It is over and done with. Oh, I guess we move on then, right? So no, there's 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 things to talk about. I'm gonna I'm gonna hear myself talk for a little bit. The league ended. It, we finished it up. It shook out a little bit weird, just because uh, some of the people who had originally signed up dropped out after various periods of time. So not everyone played the same amount of games. I went uh, three and five, which is not. Not a phenomenal showing, but some of those games were pretty close. So yeah, I for think someone I, who claims to know everything about uh, you know commons at competitive, that's not that's not really what you're looking for. It's fine. I'll just cut this part. <laughs> um, I control the power. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I I, I tried. I I wanted uh, I wanted Electrode to be the powerhouse that I needed to be, but it was not. I think I could have broke even at, at four and four, but um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I definitely am a little disappointed. I didn't get to play more games some of the members of the league got to play a full 10 games wow. only got to play eight wilson agent of the shadow <laughs> throne thieves uh went undefeated jesus so good for them and uh loyal apprentice went nine and one damn we knew loyal apprentice going in like even on the the early documents talking about pdc as a concept especially when it started doing data collection um loyal apprentice was at the top for the most aggro lists i think wilson Hasn't been around long enough to really gather that type of research, but I'm sure this league will uh, make it clear how keywords can really bring you victory in a 1v1 format like this. Yeah, for sure. Um, Wilson, obviously, having Ward is... And can't be countered. And also can't be countered. Yes, that's uh, that's also true. That's that's relevant. And Menace, uh, right? That's that, the uh, agent? Uh, or is it indestructible? Menace and... Menace and indestructible. And I don't know. It gets a 1-1 one, one counter, too. Yeah, it's, it's all kinds of messed agent up. Agent of the... Uh, Asian of the Iron Throne, or is it Asian of the Shadow Thieves? I forget. It doesn't matter. It, 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 it might as well just give it everything, okay? But uh, put, a, put a pin in that ward. We might come back to that uh, later on here. But yeah, I'm just, uh, you know, I'm thinking the format's still small. Mm -hmm. There isn't really a, a ban list yet, but I'm thinking maybe, maybe if we were going to start moving some wheels, <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe we know where to look now. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. But I already uh, aired my grievances with Wilson back on that uh, previous pod. You but think yeah. uh, Wilson might reach living legend status? That's a call out to our flesh and blood fans out there. I would appreciate if maybe 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 if we did that for the uh, PDC scene, that would be that would be something interesting. Yeah, because Wilson he can have a bit more time in the sun, but uh, ultimately it's hunting season soon. Am I right? It All is, right, so tell us tell us about season. what happens now. Electrode, you know, he, he didn't have the best showing, but uh, 
are, are you going to try and make some changes or, or what, what do you see as your future for, for PDC? I'll just say this now. Uh, my The league that I participated in is over, but there is a new quote unquote league uh, that is has started up. It happened either the day that we're recording this or like probably like two or three days before this comes out. There uh, is a new league through the PDH Homebase server. There's a PDC events channel in there that you can go and check it out. But basically the way it works is it's round robin each week. Um, uh, You sign up for just a week. You just have to sign up before that, I believe before the Sunday, Mm -hmm. before the Monday. Each week you can adjust your deck list or switch to a totally different deck list. So it's not so much a week as almost like a, an F and M, but it's like an M and M because okay. it's Monday night. We are a big fan of M and M's here on the podcast. Yeah, underrated, underrated candy for sure. Peanut or uh, peanut butter, Julian? Oh, peanut for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, pretzel, pretzel. pretzel if we're, pretzel if we're take, talking deep one. cuts, but but definitely a peanut uh, peanut for me. But yeah, so um, that's going to be something that I'm going to be looking into. Cool because, like I said, not being able to change electrode or yeah, pivot my deck uh, throughout the whole eight weeks that we were doing this. You know, geez, two whole months, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, that we were doing this was a little bit hard. So yeah, being able to kind of just really test things out, um, but still play against a lot of competent players and a lot of different strategies is going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it, it's also so, much more open to to new players because I know when we when we started this, you know, uh, we were both very new to PDC and Electro kind of came up from the few games played against a couple lists we pulled uh, from the PDC database. I think largely was from one of the original Italian leagues. Without a lot of expertise, you can quickly, as we discussed on this podcast, we could quickly find the issues with your Electro that would make it even more powerful. And then knowing that and still going into six more games where you, you knew you weren't playing an optimized build had to be a little bit rough. So especially for people that are kind of getting into this to try something new, being able to switch every week means you can kind of tweak as you go as you learn more and more about the format. I think that's really good. I will say one thing, something that I feel like uh, at least I and I think you as well do with our EDH decks is we'll get like one game in and we'll be like, okay, now I'm going to tweak. Mm-hmm. And I feel like a lot of times people don't give the proper amount of True. testing yeah. to a deck before they start tweaking. So I think eight games was too many, but <laughs> I definitely think that maybe four or five games mm-hmm. of really learning the in and outs of Gelectrode and then really seeing where the weaknesses and strengths were was good. But uh, like you said, if you want to bring just all sorts of different decks to this new weekly sort of event that they're doing you can test all sorts of stuff out or if you're really trying to hone in on a deck uh, you can as well for electrode a few of the, the changes that i'm thinking a few of the big pickups uh definitely think i need a few more lands um <laughs> i think in the, the biggest thing is think electrode needs to shift more from being like basically uh you know balls to the wall red deck wins style mm. burn list almost to something a bit more mid-range uh or uh, properly tempo based um that's going to be well, yeah, adding more lands. I'm only running 30. There were enough times when I was a little tight on mana that I'm like, okay, I just want to make sure that I have right. it. Especially in those later weeks of playing games, I was seeing a lot, like I was uh, saying on the pod, just seeing a lot more uh, decks that just kind of looked like CPDH decks. Yeah. So I think I can go a little bit bigger. I don't need to focus on just blitzing every game, even though Loyal Apprentice is so powerful. I think playing some larger things, um, that's going to include some counter magic, some bounce to uh, <laughs> remove things. Yes. That even, you know, I'm not playing black, so I can't destroy target creature, but if I can bounce a Wilson, Set him back a stave bit, yeah. off that tide. Shift more towards a mid-range sort of tempo deck. Also, I saw some considerations that maybe I could even try and add some combos. Um, I don't know if I'll do the full like high tide or Kaomancer. Right, that, that takes a lot of slots, especially in a deck that's trying to be a little bit more aggressive. Yeah. 
That was a thing um, I think that came up a few times uh, looking back as we, we covered the league is that a lot of the decks, there wasn't as big of a departure as expected from CPDH and PDH in the deck construction of PDC. Now, whether that's because the format is new and we haven't found besides Loyal Apprentice, some specific niche tech that does perform better. And I guess Wilson, right? And those, um, yeah. specifically the backgrounds that care about if you're attacking your opponent with the highest life total, because there's a few of those. Blue one that makes your creature unblockable, another one gives indestructible, etc. So outside of those like two things, there's not as much difference as we would have thought. So it makes sense to be a little bit more prepared, be a little bit more reserved than just complete red deck wins or a, a incredibly aggro deck because that's what you're going to be up against on the other side. So preparing for that CPDH mindset, which also means if you're playing CPDH, try out your deck in PDC and it probably will translate, you know, 99% right. I'm grateful to be a part of the league. Mm -hmm. It was a, a great experience. Thank you to all the tur the well tournament organizers, however, you, the league organizers or whatever. Uh, they did a great job. Um, and yeah, I'm excited to, now that I have kind of a, a good understanding of my personal deck as well as the the meta as a mm -hmm. whole i'm excited to get back in do some some tweaking and also do some new brewing so maybe yeah. we'll start doing some uh, brewing segments on this and we'll we'll drag you back into it chev incredible i'm gonna need you for some testing as well <laughs> <laughs> but that's it for pdc uh we got a very exciting normally i'd say package in the mail but this was an email chev uh we got reached out to by one of our listeners uh what's going on here yeah so we received our third official piece of mail and suggestions this time from a caleb t hey guys i've only been listening for a few weeks but he's really been enjoying the podcast uh and he really wanted us to kind of dig into a little bit more about hexproof and pdh we mentioned hexproof a lot even uh, as julian mentioned earlier uh it's newer form ward still problematic incredibly in pdh and cpdh where your methods of dealing with these creatures is so much more limited because you don't have access to board wipes We'll jump into that a little bit more uh, in, a, in a minute. What Caleb T. was also asking about was Vine Mare. I think it's from M19. Um, there's a cycle of mares. Each had a different ability in a given color. Vine Mare is a 4-mana 5-3 with Hexproof and can't be blocked by black creatures. So Caleb's also asking, you know, why is Hexproof so powerful? And if it is, can we make a competitive deck out of this Vine Mare? Um, do we have any thoughts? And to obviously keep up our incredibly stellar work. Thank you, Caleb, for reaching out. Uh, Chev, let's break this down. Mm -hmm. uh, I know I have a few thoughts. You have a few thoughts. One knock immediately against Vine Mare, and I, I, I guess I guess we should start with, you and I both think that, uh, despite the fact that this is a large creature, right, five power, large in quotes, has hexproof, uh, you and I don't believe that Vine Mare is going to be uh, busting into the format anytime soon. Yeah, so to, to cut to the Vine Mare chase, uh, before we have the larger hexproof discussion, Vine Mare has enough things going against it, particularly being a four mana five three in mono color and one of the the not so great colors. But I don't think hexproof and the the can't be blocked by black is enough to really make it a a threat to a lot of tables. It is out of the range of the wraths we have that are of course like fiery cannonade and dragon breath weapon because those only deal two damage to all creatures. But that's not enough to make a three toughness creature really stand on its own a lot of the times when we've been talking about large hexproof creatures uh actually i found a lot of them are like large blue mm -hmm. creatures um the sea serpents the giant turtles of of the world just have big butts and a lot of times they're crazy because they can just block everything right. in the format and they um, can't lie you which can't is get one of the lesser known things about those big butts 
also very true. Um, but yeah, they can block everything in the format, and since you can't get rid of them with a normal removal spell, mm-hmm. they're hard to kind of punch through. Now, obviously, Hexproof on Voltron builds is great, and we've seen that in, let's be real, uh, Wilson in PDC, Ward might as well be Hexproof, um, <laughs> and we have things like, we have, you know, we have things like Sailor's Bane in the format, mm-hmm. um, and obviously that's great, but for me, the biggest things holding back Vinemare are, one, the mono green, yeah. which is the worst coloring that you can get in the format. It doesn't have any natural evasion, yeah. and with a three toughness, uh, it can be blocked by a lot of things and people can just trade. I think it's also, you know, you, you look at this and it, it can't be taken kind of in isolation, right? One of the big tenants too of the, the database, the CPDH database is if there's a creature in the colors or, you know, nearby that can do what you want to do better, uh, then this commander cannot, you know, be a competitive viable commander. And there's just so many other things out there, like the ones you mentioned. My mind immediately goes to Seder Enchanter, which of course doesn't have that hexproof initially, but it does have access to white. And white auras can give you all of the protection from whatever colors you want. And it takes you a few seconds to get there, but you also now get a card draw engine and access to another color where Vine Mare is just a threat that gets access to green auras, but there's not a ton at common. And so then you're stuck with equipment, which is also not that great at common. You miss out on having a lot of opportunity from any of the other four colors. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm thinking of like, I was thinking of Seder Enchanter as well. Even though it doesn't have Hexproof, we have ways to give it Hexproof or Pseudo Hexproof. Yeah. We get to play white, which is actually a pretty potent color just because there's all sorts of bound and gold effects and reprobation that remove abilities or, or make sure that things can't block or activate. Sailor's Bane has Ward, uh, but once again, that Ward is huge, and Sailor's Bane is huge. And also in blue, we have a ton of ways to make it so that it either has flying, uh, it has straight-up unblockable, etc. Ways to get through, right. despite it, also, it's also just huge. And then um, another another deck that I don't believe is on the database, but but that I've heard whispers of and have seen around is Night Veil Predator, which is the blue-black flying death-touch hexproof, yeah. which, once again, uh, it's evasive. We have black to shore up all sorts of weaknesses. We've got the colors of all tutors and PDH. Yeah, evasion yeah, and exactly. death-touch and hexproof. It's just there's a lot more going on that, unfortunately, Vine Mare can't compare with. And I guess another thing is that I think the bar is a lot higher for a creature that's going to be your commander. Mm-hmm. As opposed to just a creature in the 99, because if we look at something like uh, Talarian Terror, which uh, once again doesn't have hexproof, but it has ward, which we're kind of using interchangeably here because they're both uh, the power of both of these is that they limit interaction, mm-hmm. and interaction obviously is important in all formats, but especially in PDH when you're really nickel and diming so yeah. much as you are. So Talarian Terror, common, it's just a big 5 5 that's got this sort of pseudo shield on it, right? You don't really have to convince me much to play this mm-hmm. uh, but something like vine mare where it's going to take up my commander slot as well as determine through color identity yeah. what i'm allowed to play and kind of what the general game plan of my deck is uh, the bar has to be a lot higher for something like that yeah so i think we've um beat this horse enough uh, particularly now i feel like we're starting to beat a dead horse well chev it can't be it can't be blocked by black creatures so we're not there <laughs> Which I, which is another thing that yes, black is the best color in the format. But once again, I don't think that's that's doing enough for you. Like there are plenty of decks that aren't playing black, so it doesn't. It's not relevant. And uh, yeah, it, the, the, that whole cycle was kind of odd because they were all can't be blocked by an enemy color. There's surge mare, the blue one can't be blocked by green. Lightning mare, the red one can't be blocked by blue. Um, and and vine mare might be the the best of them. Um, Plague mare can't be blocked by white. 
it's not going to be enough because that you're not really worried too much about getting through the black creatures when it comes to, to CPDH. I'd be more worried about the other ones. This was like right when Wizards tried to do like that brief stint of bringing back color hosers. Yeah. And I remember these were like kind of silly and limited, but other than that, yeah. I don't know. I, I uh, really appreciate Caleb posing the question because mm-hmm. it is a good question. I mean, I think the general over thing is one uh, overarching point is that Hexproof is super powerful because it limits interaction uh, or essentially stops interaction um, other than things like edicts, um, but it stops interaction basically and in a format like CPDH where we're nickel and diming so much, uh, interaction is even more tantamount right. than it is in other formats. The thing is that sometimes Hexproof can carry itself, it can carry a creature by itself or a strategy by itself, namely Vol- Voltron things. I don't think Vinemere has the ability to be mm-hmm. a fully-fledged Voltron commander due to its own factors of its abilities, its statting, its color, which feeds into color identity, et cetera. So it's not strictly that Hexproof can make or break something, um, but when you already have a base level, Hexproof can push things over the top and also is just uh, powerful and therefore annoying in things like this. Agreed. Do we have any other thoughts we want to bring up on uh, Ward and Hexproof in general? Kind of re-hitting the highlights uh, especially in Wilson in PDC, that ward was super effective and is seen as kind of a, a, a way to enable some interaction. But I think a lot of the times we find that creatures with ward, even the problematic ones, will stick around a turn or two longer than they actually should because everyone is playing chicken in a, a social game or a four-player game to see who is going to pay that cost. I think there's a political aspect there where more times than it should be, you end up waiting a little bit extra to deal with that threat as opposed to just eating it up front because you don't want to be the one who expends those extra resources. Kind of like the idea where a lot of the times people don't attack the turn they should because they're waiting to see what everyone else does. And so it's like that one turn delay. And that can mean a lot to the the big ward creatures we have. Unfortunately, I was going to say I I would be interested to see what Vinemere does in PDC because obviously now when we're only attacking one player, mm-hmm. um, a 5-3 that's got Hexproof is, is a bit more potent. But I just don't think there's any reason to run a green-based aggro deck unless you're running Wilson. Right, and then you have access to another color, any color you want. Like, you can play different flavors of Wilson, but... Exactly. Yeah, that is that does come down to... Um, or that is one thing that is a struggle a little bit when we cover largely CPDH, is we have to think of the best of for certain strategies and colors. That does limit your options because then you always have to consider, okay, why am I playing this over something else that's better? And when you put it to competitive, you you can't really use an argument to the same effect of I play this because I want to. Yeah, exactly. I mean we haven't we haven't hit that yet, but there are certainly some commanders that we've seen for the database that like we're just we, we try to we try to bring in as many different mm-hmm. uh, varieties as possible. But I, th- I think we will at some point start hitting where it's just like, it's just not worth it to try and do yeah. this thing when we have three other versions right. that are clearly better. And and recognizing when we hit that point, because I think that's going to be a big thing. Yeah, too. for sure. And, and I, unfortunately, I think, well, fortunately or unfortunately, uh, depending on how you look at it, I think that barrier and that uh, critical mass is even lower in um, in PDC. Yes. I might have to kick Delectro to the curb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to try, but uh, but yeah. We just wouldn't have this problem if Wizards just didn't print these stupid, uninteractable mechanics. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Thanks so much for uh, for reaching out, Caleb. We hope we um, didn't kind of ruin this this idea too much for you. But hopefully we've turned you on to, <laughs> to your own benefit and your playgroup's peril uh, to Wilson and a background. 
Um, I think those are going to be super cool, especially in competitive. I don't think we've seen a database list yet, but there's certainly some some room to build something scary. My brain, honestly, in CPDH wants to to make the Wilson with a blue background that makes him unblockable and just have a Simic Voltron nastiness because you can grant flying, you can grant all those things. I think that would be super cool. Now we just got to find a way to give him infect because <laughs> you also get some proliferate in uh, in green and blue. Yeah, yeah. We're cooking now. Tune in next week. We'll, we'll, have to, uh, we'll I'll have to. I'll have to make a couple Scryfall searches. <laughs> All right, Jeff. What do we got next? All right. Is it, is it time for the deck of the week? I think it's time for the deck of the week, and we have a very special deck of the week because this deck put up numbers. This deck won a CEDH tournament. We're of course talking about Gretchen Titchwillow, courtesy of Puzzlebox. Over the weekend, the CEDH budget brews put on a hundred dollar or less CEDH tournament. Something that uh, even. Our own Eric Von Ullman submitted a list to. And a few of the CPDH guys decided that they would go in with full CPDH legal lists with, with minor exceptions, right? We only have two two cards on the PDH ban list, Mystic Remora and Ristic Study. So if you're already playing a CPDH deck in a CEDH tournament, uh, I think you're allowed to run those. So this list is yep. not technically CPDH legal, but by Puzzlebox's own admission, he only cast Mystic Remora once and never saw Ristic Study. So I'm willing to give it a pass. But this deck played up against, you know, the, the top of the top at $100 or less and came out winning. Congratulations to Puzzlebox. Uh, congratulations and to, to everyone who played. And something that's really cool about this deck is it's just a good old-fashioned Simic combo deck. We're using the infinite mana combos of, you know, Freed from the Real or Galvanic Alchemist and a land untapper like Rhyme Tender uh, and, you know, some land with a enchantment on it. So we're making infinite mana and then we're using Secret Door, which is a card that for five mana activate only a sorcery venture into the dungeon, which is a ridiculous win con. So you're generating that infinite mana, you use Secret Door, and you get one of the dungeons that, you know, pings people because I think two of them uh, will ping all your opponents and gain you a life. So you do everything you can to get to that mana, and then you secret door for for the win. And the rest of the list is, you know, if you're competing in CEDH, you've got to have the counter spells to stop all of their win cons, a massive amount of ramp, and really the combo and some tutors. Like, this is a very clean list, and probably the best chance that a, a pauper deck has at taking down other decks, because blue is probably the least affected when you're playing at the, the common rarity. I was able to watch the final game of the tournament, and we'll kind of go into a little bit of a play-by-play on how this deck really came out, because the the final turns were incredible. I don't want to take away from the deck yet, because it is just, it's so clean. You know, we've talked about a lot of combo decks, we've talked about a lot of different strategies of our deck of the week, but everything about this is just pure, distilled, simic, everything that you stand for, really. Uh yeah, I'm a I'm a huge fan of this list. I did not get to watch the final game, but uh the Tryhards put out an excellent interview with Puzzlebox, uh, as well as of course Clay from the Tryhards mm-hmm. and Common Connoisseurs, which was very illuminating. Love to watch that, so we'll discuss that in a bit. But yeah, this list is um it's a perfect melding of me for just enough spice, uh, as well as just adherence to the the classics, the things that everyone kind of understands about the format. Uh, Like you said, it's a Simic list. Uh, Gretchen Titchwillow, green and a blue, 04. So first of all, big butt. Two green and a blue, draw a card. You may put a land card from your hand onto the battlefield. So very standard Simic things, right? Mm -hmm. We're drawing cards and we're ramping. The thing with this is that obviously this is a 
activate ability that we can activate once we have infinite mana we can draw our entire deck uh, as well as continue to ramp and get to whatever pieces um like you said uh, we're playing a lot of the things that made me love uh, lay and lore weaver so much so like you said we need to uh, suit up our lands with a ton of auras it's probably a very similar list you know when it when it comes down to it, while lay and lore weaver you're you're milling your opponents with that infinite mana outlet in this list you're drawing to your win con which is secret door <laughs> I know, I do, I do, that's what I'm saying, I, the, the secret door is just enough spice for me, uh, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of that for sure, but yeah, we've got all the untappers as well, uh, Blossom Dryad, Arbor Elf, um, Juniper Order Ranger, all that sort of stuff, after we uh, suit all our stuff up, um, huge, huge fan of this just because I remember uh, discussing it many moons ago, um, well, it's a, it's a Neon Dynasty card, but I believe this was when we were doing um, some PDH content back on After Dark, uh, Shrine Steward, five mm -hmm. mana, uh, when it enters, search a library for an aura or shrine card reveal put in your hand. This is a great tutor for, of of course, Freed from the Real, one of the most broken cards in the format. Can also actually uh, search all of our overgrowths and Utopia yeah. Falls and stuff because they are technically auras, even though in, they enchant lands as well. So that's a huge pickup for the deck. Love to see that. I uh, want to say that I got in on the ground floor on that one. <laughs> um, yeah, you and everyone else who wants a tutor in... Uh... <laughs> hey, listen, leave me alone. Leave me alone, leave me alone. But yeah, like you said, this deck is just incredibly clean. Uh, in the interview, uh, Puzzle Docs explained that this is slightly different, uh, slightly tweaked from their PDH list, mm -hmm. uh, their CPDH list. Ristic Study and uh, Mystic Romer are in there, and there are a few other considerations they made just because they knew they were going to be in a CEDH tournament. Right. Uh, but yeah, really, this is still just kind of the best of for something like uh, for some, for CDP, CPDH, and there are a ton of ways uh, and ton of cool techs that Puzzle Box was explaining in the interview that are built into this to kind of make it as resilient as possible. And also, before before we continue, quick shout out to everyone who brought CPDH decks to the tournament because there was a whole a gaggle of participants from the, the TryHards channel. I believe both Clay and Papa Popper also brought their own um, lists in. So huge thanks to everyone who kind of pushed this format and, and brought it to a wider audience. It's, it's really glad to, to pick up a win like this. And honestly, what a win it was because if you check the... Uh, you, you should go check the the <laughs> Budget Brews Twitch channel still has their final games up uh, and a bunch of tournament coverage. They they brought in commentators and stuff as well. So it was super cool to watch. But in the final game that cinched the victory for uh, Puzzle Box, not only did they survive death from a Tago Kodama rock collection, right? Because uh, for, for those mm -hmm. of you who mm -hmm. haven't played Rocco before or uh, <laughs> Tago, um, landfall, make a, make a rock, equip it. Cabaretti Caterer? <laughs> Pay one, um, sacrifice a deal, two damage to any target. So there's a turn where the, the Tago Kodama player has like 10 rocks. They're all, or, or five rocks. They're all equipped. 10 damage on board. Gretchen is at 10 life. Puzzle Box, I think, manages to Echoing Truth, a tapped rock. So all the rocks are going to go away. Uh, in response, the player with the rocks sacks them all, deals the damage, to Puzzle Box also trying to kill um, the land untapper that he had on the field. At which point he uses Tamiyo's Safekeeping, which, for those of you who don't remember, it also has life gain. Two life, baby. And that's what kept Puzzle Box in the game with two life after getting hit for lethal with these rocks. Uh, it was just the extra from protecting his, his one creature. So that was a really cool interaction to see. Then, just like Julian mentioned, just like the simulations... Uh, Puzzle Box was able to use Shrine Steward to tutor a Freed from the Reel in the final turn with the Untapper that survived the Barrage of Rocks. And after all that was put together, someone tried to Chaos Warp, chaos warp the um, Untapper, but Avoid Fate came to save the day. 
uh, one of those nifty green counter spells, and it, just like everything that in that final game was to a T uh, before winning with the dungeon door combo. All in all, incredible game, incredible deck. Uh, this is probably the most famous deck of the week that we have done and will do for quite some time. I think we also need to mention the the real man of the hour, Aether Spellbomb. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. This was discussed extensively in the in the interview. We're going to talk a bit about this interview here, but I highly recommend that you all watch it. We'll, we'll have it linked in the show notes and stuff. Um, a lot, a lot, a lot of great, deep insight from uh, all three members, especially PuzzleBox, obviously, because uh, they were in the chair there uh, making it happen. But yeah, Aether Spellbomb came down early, and there was a rule of law, which basically says each player can only cast one spell a turn. One non-creature spell per turn. By the Winota player, mm-hmm. which Winota is sort of like a, a stacks list. But yeah, because this Aether Spellbomb was already down and could threaten an additional piece of interruption, a majority of the, <laughs> the people just didn't want to aggro or super commit because they knew it would just be undone by this Aether Spellbomb that was just sitting there menacingly, and uh, since they were mostly, were, the rest of them were all CEDH players, they didn't quite uh, understand what exactly was brewing over on Gretchen's side of the field, yeah. and just how much allowing Puzzle Box to just sit and accumulate resources and, and, and sculpt uh, their hand mm-hmm. uh, was doing for them. And, and the thing is that this list has the ability to, one, go off through interruptions, but also go off at instant speed, uh, and potentially, you know, combo off twice in a turn mm-hmm. if one of them gets interrupted, uh, which is absolutely nutty. So, yeah. A few different ways to make infinite mana, and then a few different ways to win as well. One of the funniest things, I thought, was that uh, technically when you were going through the dungeon loop, there is rooms that will force you to draw a card. So, uh, <laughs> you potentially can deck yourself out. So, in this, we obviously have uh, Mystic Sanctuary, because mm-hmm. that card is just busted. Uh, but we have Mystic Sanctuary plus uh, Reclaim and Archaeomancer, basically you can loop those together since you already have infinite mana to essentially infinitely put it back on top of your deck <laughs> yeah. so that you do not deck out as you drain your opponents, which I thought is just hilarious. That's, I mean, we don't have Ulamog out here, so we gotta, we gotta <laughs> Ulamog at home. Just always barely right on that tightrope. Oh, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not dead yet. Not dead yet. As I continue to unpack this and, um, you know, as I was watching that interview in, in PuzzleBox was... Uh, explaining more and more of the little nuances of the deck. It's it's incredibly impressive how much redundancy there is yeah. in all facets of this. Obviously, we have crazy redundancy in our answers, our counterspells, our protection and stuff, but just uh, how many ways we have to make infinite mana, mm-hmm. how many ways we technically have to finish off the game. Um, and in there's so many different lines, which I, I, I think is another huge thing is that if you're not intimately familiar with the format which obviously the cedh players were not um, but even people like you and i might not realize the jig until things are happening is that there are so many disparate ways to do what you need and so many ways to get at the combo no matter what stage you're in it can be a little bit difficult to kind of find where that linchpin is if you don't know every single combo mm-hmm. uh, this is definitely seems like a deck that is once again extremely high skill ceiling um but if you want to, you know, if you know the basic combo, you could certainly attempt to pilot this and probably see some success as well. Yeah. The the last thing I kind of want to bring up about the, the, the deck list is more of a general statement. <laughs> what I remember when we first got into to CPDH was really the, the push from Papa Popper about the spell bombs and seals, which are some of the best removal and interaction you have in PDH. And you think like coming from other formats, you're like this telegraphs like the move. And just like what happened in uh, the the final game of this tournament, um, sometimes that's a good thing. Yes, having a disenchant in hand when someone kind of swings at you with a big hammer is 
useful, but having one on the board so they know that what's going to happen if they do can play that political angle in a four-player game that is really powerful. And, you know, you're not always going to be getting around a rule of law in CPDH, but having that on board and not in your hand, because there are so many discard effects and stuff too, is kind of really useful, especially for the seals where, you know, you just sacrifice them to get the effect. But the spell bombs see all kinds of play as well. So just because they seem like a small bit of tech, don't immediately discount them um, from a list. Uh, Chev, we in the business call that the threat of activation. Uh, <laughs> even if you don't activate it, the fact that it exists there and it's it's kind of just staring you in the face yep. can often psych players out. Um, obviously, politicking is a huge portion of any multiplayer format. Mm-hmm. And uh, to their credit, Puzzlebox, or at least I was told in the interview, Puzzlebox did that excellently uh, throughout that game. But uh, just kind of having that as a deterrent there can really get you uh, get you some huge advantage, as well as, of course, the seals being all enchantments, the spell bombs all being artifacts. There are, of course, cards in the format that synergize with these things. Definitely want to be playing uh, Seal of Primordium in any sort of like Seder Enchanter list, right? Yeah. Because not only does it do the thing, but when we put it down, it draws a card. Mm-hmm. Or uh, Seal of Cleansing, I believe, is the, the white version of that. Check out the list. I'm sure it'll be on the the database soon. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm excited to have this one. Uh, I, I cannot hide my biases. I'm a sucker for a green blue combo decks. I love the Lay and Lore Weaver thing. I think the only thing that I have to say is, and I probably believe Puzzle Box, but my honor does not allow me to uh, officially agree. Uh, they said that this is better than Tatiova. Ah, <laughs> <sighs> 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 uh. Listen, I do. I do love me just some activated abilities that don't have any tap or cost. It's just just mana because I, I can generate infinite mana all day. So, uh, you know, but I, I do say uh, my honor does not allow me to uh, not defend Tatiova. But Might need some PDC showdown. Gretchen v. Uh, Tatiova, the longest game ever recorded. Can we get an all Simic pod? Laylor, Gretchen, <laughs> Tatiova, and uh, who's another Simic? Uh, There's one that copies I don't know, these spells or something. I'm thinking. I think Strixhaven had a bunch of wild ones. Yeah, I oh, think there's um, a Zimone, right? That's oh. like um like put two lands down or something. Yeah, there's Zimone, there's um I think Quandrix Apprentice Guild Major or yeah, no, yeah, Apprentice is um I think is a list that is uh, I've seen around Sim- Simic Pod, let's go. Uh, anything else you want to say about this deck, Chef? No, I think that's a that's about it. Congratulations again to uh to Puzzlebox and and thanks for everyone who brought CPDH to to the big leagues. Yeah, Puzzlebox, please uh, bring this to the database and please put a primer on it so I can, uh, uh, someone with a small brain like me can figure out all the, <laughs> the interesting lines because I don't want to have to go back to the interview interview every time I have uh, to consider a play. Given uh, Puzzlebox is on the uh, DDB committee now, I think it's only a matter of time before it ends up there. And I think we can get around any potential uh, questions of biasy by given its recent performance. Yes, correct, correct. <laughs> it's one hell of a thing to put in the primer. Is it good? Well, you know, it beat <laughs> rares and mythics. I mean, I think also part of that was a uh, puzzle box being an, uh, an amazing player as well as, as an amazing politician. But yes, uh, yes, no, no uh, taking away from from puzzle box's excellent piloting skills. Once again, shout out to the budget brews. Bull, uh, where where we uh, the the site that graciously allows us to currently host the database. Um, but shout out to them for putting on a crazy tournament. They had coverage. They had I think like a hundred players or something. It's like twelve hours long or something too. Yeah, games were firing like mm-hmm. near instantaneously. So shout out to them. That's an awesome awesome event. I'm definitely looking forward to uh, whatever they put on next, and maybe I'll have to uh, throw my hat into the ring as well with a cpdh deck because lord knows i'm not learning how to play cedh so. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh. all right 
I think that's it for this week. Uh, we narrowly avoided jumpstart spoilers, um, but expect some of those next week with uh, some of the downshifts and some of the new cards. We got we got some spicy ones. Already eyeing a few for uh, Torwowki. Yeah, we've already seen a few new good commons as well as uh, as well as some creatures that could go in the command zone. So we'll we'll cover all that and more next time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the opposite of how Pitbull does it. You mean Mr. Worldwide? Miami. T-Pain. Shout out. <laughs>